Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce, your host for episode 191 on a Tuesday evening. You're like, why do you look different? Well, it's because I did a review in my truck this past weekend, and so it just like totally crazy. So with that, though, it's we, actually it's just Stephen is with family, and my wife is the producer this evening, so we're just trying to have a little bit of fun with it. And while we have this kind of fun, we're going to see... What is happening? But it's going to be a good night here. So thank you for tuning in to Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. The good news is, is we're back. Sorry for the two-week break. But, you know, it's holidays, it's family, all that kinds of stuff. Next week is Christmas. That's the way it's going to go. Of course, thank you very much to Fly Racing, Kinda Tire, and Stillwell Performance for their support of Seat Time. We will talk with them a little bit later into the show. But, of course, because of the fact that our guests sometimes have lives and they need shit they need to go do, we just come in hot get them on, and talk to them because they're cooler than we are. And so I went on the internet today because that's what I do, and I went to Dirt Buzz to kind of check and see what they had going on, and that's actually Dale had put up his feature on Alexander Smith about going to the about going to the, the, the to Dakar. Wow, I'm already just freaking out. He's just, oh, I'm so nervous. But it's just crazy reading about this, and I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to Alexander and learn more about this dude. So we just have to say, Alexander, how is your evening going so far? My evening is going great. I'm, uh, I'm actually still here in my office at work and um, be here for about an hour or so more. But uh, evening's going good. Thanks nice. for having me. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I'm cooler than you guys are, but uh, thanks for having me on the program. Well, the good thing is, 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 is we just like to have a good time. We like to bring in guests from the off-road world, be it anybody that thinks that they can enjoy two wheels more than us, because we just want to prove them wrong that just having a good time on dirt bikes is what it's all about. And we know that you can do that because we've seen you ride, we've seen you have fun throughout your 30 years on this earth, and you're a badass, and that's why we want to talk to you. And it even more so, going to Dakar is just absolutely insane. So, it's one of those things I kind of have to admit. Like, you know, obviously I know who Malcolm Smith is, and I've known that Malcolm Smith has a family. He's got kids, he's got a son, like all that kinds of stuff. But it's one of those deals where I can't say that I like followed his kids specifically. So I knew that that you existed. I knew that you rode and you did stuff with motorcycles, but. The feature on Dirt Buzz today was very eye-opening into how in you know ingrained in the industry you are. It's just literally on the 180 degrees of where your father was when he was riding because he was kind of the face of the guys riding the bike. Well, you're the kind of the, the face of the guy that's making sure that those guys have the bikes. Um, so that's that's kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, place to find yourself. Is this is this kind of how you saw your whole life, like being in the industry? Yeah, you know, it's funny when I uh, when I was younger, I didn't really dream of being a racer or being a, a a motorcycle professional motorcycle racer. I dreamed of being a business person. I think that's kind of a a nerdy dream for me to have, but that's really uh, you know kind of what I always thought about is you know running my own business, um, you know, doing something professionally in that sense. Um, it wasn't ever I want to be a pro motorcycle racer. I loved riding motorcycles and. I wanted to make sure that I was able to do that for the rest of my life, um, and, and I think I enjoy them more because it's not uh, a profession for me that I have to go out and pin it to make a paycheck every week. You know, I yeah. go out and have fun and I do cool adventures, and 
and I have a real job. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I have uh, I have a real job as well, and I try to find a way to go ride my motorcycle as much as possible. But on top of that, you know, I like to race too. Like I think because re- racing's just fun. I like those weekends where you get to go out with your buddies and you get to be kind of competitive, and you can kind of like you know you can bench race about it afterwards. You everybody kind of crap talks each other beforehand, of course. Then afterwards, they definitely crap talk each other. Um, and I love that aspect of it, but in the sense of, I kind of would like, oh, it'd be great if I was fast, but I never was growing up, so I never really had any admir, you know, any any really big dreams of being super fast. But it's got to be interesting for you with your family dynamic. I mean, would your father have ever pushed you to ride and or race motorcycles, or was it just a family activity because he was just ingrained in it? Yeah, it, it, it was never pushed on me. That's. For sure. I, I didn't have a motorcycle until I was, you know, maybe 12 years old or something like that. Um, you know, it was one day I asked my dad, I think, why don't I have a motorcycle? And he looked at me and said, well, you never asked me for a motorcycle. So I said, well, can I have a motorcycle? <laughs> and he said, sure. So we went out that day and we got an old beater Honda, uh, you know, tiny little motorcycle and I couldn't touch the ground on it. And took the seat off and that was my motorcycle for the next two years but it was never you know it was never pushed on me I, I think the first race that I ever went to with him where I was racing we were sleeping in the back of the van before the race the, the, the night before and he said uh, I remember we we're just about to fall asleep and I, I heard him say you know in the darkness he said you know if you don't want to race tomorrow you don't have to and I was like no 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 this is what I want to do I want to be here I want to be racing uh, you know I just I guess I just never wanted to do it professionally, but you know he made sure that he was very clear that this isn't something that I had to do. Right. He he wanted to make sure that at no time you ever were like, "Oh my God, my dad made me do this," like because of who he was, I guess, in that sense, which is awesome. There are times now we're going to dive off into a little bit of weird territory. There was a time, and I'll say it: I was 12 years old, and my dad wanted me to go to this race so bad, and I was just like at that stage where I didn't know if I liked riding, I was afraid of racing, all that kinds of stuff. And my mom had to like have pep talk me to get into the van because my dad wanted to spend that time with me and be out there racing and stuff. And it's interesting because that was kind of like a really that weekend of racing with my father was a big turning point in me kind of like growing into I guess the enthusiast I am today. So obviously I'm glad my mom kind of did that, but it wasn't my dad. It was my dad out there loading us up. My mom was like, "Son." You need to man up and go because it's that time your father needs this time with you. So it's interesting. But, yeah, it's good to know that your dad wasn't out there like, well, I am who I am, so now you got to be me too. <laughs> right. No, it was, it was never that way. He, uh, he made, uh, made very sure of that. Right. Um, I, I never felt the pressure um, that I think a lot of people assume that I did. Right. And so, okay. Easy, we could just go on this weird tangent forever talking about your childhood and growing up with Malcolm Smith, but the thing, the big thing is you're about to race the car. Now, it's crazy that you did solo 2013, won the Baja 1000, that's epic, and then of course you're like, you know, always in the back of your mind, I want to race the car, my dad raced the car in the 80s in Africa, of course now we're kind of in a different continent, that's okay, it's still a manimal of a beast, so... Talking with Quinn Cody and starting to get this organization figured out how you're going to start racing Dakar in 2016, when you're like, oh crap, it's happening, what is your first thing to learn? 
tell us that because I've done rally and I know what my first thing to learn was, but I want to know from your standpoint, what was you were just like, oh my God, I'm about to race the car and I don't know how to do X. Yeah, I, I think it was um, Quinn sent me a text and said, hey, I'm going to do some rally training, you know, on such and such a date up in Barstow and, and, uh, and you need to get there and you need to have this equipment on your bike and so I said, oh, okay, well, I can do that. And so I <laughs> went out and bought the rally equipment and put it on my bike. And as I was mounting it up on the bike, I'm looking at this stuff going, what the hell does this stuff do? And, and that, that moment was just kind of like, oh, crap, this is going to be a lot, uh, a lot more learning than I, than I expected. But, you know, it ended, ended really well. You know, we, we did the rally training with Quinn. He's been really cool with his time and, and, I think that was the most uh, intimidating thing for me, and he got it to the point for me now where it feels pretty natural, and I feel pretty good doing it. Yeah. Okay. So I was actually um, the rally training was epic for me, like in the sense of like learning that I, I really like digging into the the functional bits of, of of situations like that. There's so much raw talent when it comes to riding. So when there was a chance for me to be able to find a way to be fast without having to have that raw talent, I was like, oh, awesome. So, but is it is it just me or does reading a road book and navigating not feel like a traditional timekeeping enduro completely on steroids? Yeah, it's definitely got a little bit of that... Um uh, of that component to it, and you're not the first person that's actually mentioned that, and it got me thinking of, you know, that that yeah, it is it is similar to that. You know, you gotta um, you gotta think a lot more than go fast. I guess is the best way to say it. It's the thinking man's race, and, and Dakar takes that timekeeping uh, aspect and just expounds on it. Uh, you know, to the point where it's it's almost like it's brain overload every minute. You know that you're trying to make those navigational decisions you're still trying to go fast but you know you're not trying to uh make a navigational error that's gonna you know put you way behind right nope you're absolutely correct um so okay now we're oh we're doing dakar i'm, I'm gonna go do a little bit of rally training i'm reading the road book it's scariest crap i haven't totally figured it out yet but you're feeling more confident in it so then is is it th at this point in time where you start to get hooked up with the Husqvarna HT team, or is at this point you don't totally know what's happening yet with your your team aspect of it? Yeah, uh, the the team didn't really come together until maybe five or six months ago. Um, you know, I'd been talking to Quinn, and you know, there was various ideas bounced around about how we could make it happen because it's it's a huge undertaking to go to Dakar. I mean, budgetary wise, it's you know, uh, a lot of guys throw out the two hundred thousand dollar number, and that's not real far off. Um, you know, it's, it's also a huge time commitment for me to be away from the dealership. So it was, you know, one of those things like, man, I don't know if I can pull it off. Even if I can raise two hundred grand, I don't know if I can be away from the dealership for, you know, three weeks uh, in one go in January. Um, but once you know, Quinn and I talked more and more, you know, he said he had somebody to introduce me to, and, and that was Hank, the owner of HT Rally, and, um, you know, once I got hooked up with him and started having conversations with him, it, um, it was really when the ball started rolling forward, and we're like, okay, this is what we're going to do, we have a set program, um, you know, so that was a good moment for me when, when it was like, okay, we, we got it all figured out, and I think the other cool moment was when I went to Morocco in October, and that was the first time that I had met the team and seen the bike, and um, 
and it was really uh, a good feeling meeting the team and, and seeing how organized they were. And, uh, it, it made me feel really good about what I'm, uh, the kind of support that I'm ha- I have at Dakar because they're totally dialed and super factory. I, I was really stoked on them. That's awesome. Yeah, reading the, the Dirt Buzz feature, it was great to read about your feelings when you guys did the, the Moroccan rally about how you were like, okay, like when you guys were there and you were seeing the team function as, as the team that they are, it was like, okay, like, I'm ready. These guys are ready. I know now. It's it's it was funny too how you even mentioned it's hard for me to to not want to have all control. But I I would imagine now that you're in this situation, you probably get why someone as the rider doesn't need that kind of control. Like you need to handle that. You need to or hand that off to somebody else. So there's the focus is is, is on what you on the bike needs to be doing. Um, and that's awesome that you're able to find that with the the Husky uh, HT team. Now, they've been doing a lot. I think they're going to their website and looking at that. They've been kind of around since, like, 2005. Have they kind of gone to Dakar at this level in the sense of of supporting uh, riders, or have they been more of a, like, rent-to-ride Dakar, you know, if you can qualify and pay kind of a situation? Yeah, HT has always been that uh, kind of rent-to-ride thing from the inception. You know, they had uh, a pretty significant hand in uh, Honda uh, getting to Dakar and, and building the program that they have now. Hank was really instrumental in, in putting that all together. Um, but at this point, you know, they're the official satellite team of Husqvarna. Um, you know, they have factory bikes. Um, you know, if, if you didn't know it when you saw the team, you would think, you know, this is a factory team. The bikes are that good. The support's that good. Oh, yeah. The, the pictures that were in the Dirt Buzz article... Those were phenomenal. Uh, I mean, the bike, yeah, no, the bikes look like they are factory Husqvarna motorcycles. Um, yeah. So put together by those dudes, you know that they're doing a fantastic job, you know, with uh, with the way that they spend their money and putting it in all the right places, which is the way you want to do it. So, Dakar, you did the Moroccan rally, you wound up day one, didn't exactly get to where you wanted to be, but you've kind of made up for it. You did better than you started out, but at the same time, you know, you probably weren't totally happy with that. But you came away safe, healthy, and you had a good time. You probably learned a crap ton. So going into Dakar now, you're getting ready to leave the country, I could assume, after the holidays. How do you feel? What have you learned from Morocco to now that you're getting ready to do Dakar that you can take, that you can tell us that when we go do our smaller rallies that aren't nearly as treacherous as what you're about to undertake, that we can bring to the table and be that much better? Well, I think the biggest thing for me um, when I got to Morocco, that it was kind of like brain overload. There was, you know, everything was so different. The bikes are so different. Everybody's speaking a foreign language. Uh, the format of the racing is so different than anything I've ever seen before. It was just, you know, kind of compounding on top of itself. You know, everything was so different, and it was really tough to get my my brain around, you know, how this race was going to happen. I'm sitting at the racer briefing, and this guy is just babbling on and on and on for 15 minutes in French, and then, (laughs) oh, (laughs) yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting there just going, oh, this is not good. And then the guy that does the English translation hops up there, and you know, he says he's going to do the English translation of what the French guy said. And he talks for like two minutes, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is yeah, not not good." Yeah, he did not tell me every single detail that that man just said. I know he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, it was all of that, and that's before we started racing, you know. And then and then the morning of the race comes, and 
I, I was at the uh, the start of the special test before the the top five guys left, and you know I had sort of this expectation in my mind that they were going to go fast. Um, but man, when they left the start of the first special, it was like eye opening to me. I was like, holy crap are those guys really going to go that fast for the whole rally <laughs> like <laughs> tell me they're just showing off right now and you know every, everybody that had been there before was like no 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 that's the top five guys are going to go that fast the whole time and it was like oh crap i'm i'm in big trouble yeah and then you know that day was was tough it was the first time i had ridden the bike and the bike is so different and yeah at, at the end of the stage i was um I just wanted to go back to my hotel room and book a flight home. It was uh, it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty discouraged. I was like, "Crap! I, I think I should give up riding motorcycles for the rest of my life." Right? No, uh, I, I understand. Um, so, I, one of my questions was going to be about why haven't you done the Baja Rally? And that's going to be my point. Is like I've had some interesting endeavors down there when I did that uh, last year, and you know, I, I, it's like. I understand what you're saying on that 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 day where you get done. You're like, I just want to go home. I'm not. I'm no. But why has that not been on your radar? Has it been once you found out you had a chance to do Dakar? That's just kind of been the focal point. Um. Yeah. It was. Uh, you know, it wasn't on my radar in 2014 because I was really focused on uh, the Baja 1000. Um. You know, same for 2013. And this year it was. Um, you know, really close to the Moroccan Rally timeline. Um, I think I got back from the Moroccan Rally, and it uh, the Dakar or the Baja Rally started uh, the next day or something like that. And it just wasn't something that could work out logistically. I would have loved to have done it, you know, so I had that experience um, going into Dakar. But it just it didn't work out. The time uh, timetable didn't work out. I, again, I I can't imagine being away from work for that many races in a year and uh, still having a job. Well, I mean, if you want to, you know, like push the envelope a little bit, I'm trying to go back to the Baja Rally this year or for 2016 in October. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, if I'm going to be under a factory tent, I might as well be under a factory tent next to Alexander Smith, right? You know what I'm saying? Sounds good. I'll tell HT that uh, <laughs> that I'm coming. <laughs> got two clients for him. Yeah, we're like, I would like the the Malcolm Smith Motorsports discount, please. Who are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm Brian Pierce. Hello. Duh, no, no, you're not on our list. Okay, maybe next year. No, but it, I I think you should do the Baja Rally, and the only reason is because when I did it, I was it opened my eyes to the fact that there is a whole nother world going on below the border. And it's been unfortunate growing up in Louisiana, riding, living in Texas now, all that kinds of stuff, having never been there. That was my first time to the Baja Peninsula. And it's an amazing place. Amazing, amazing place. And I can't wait to go back. It's been fantastic. Now, you guys do rides down there and all over the world with uh, Malcolm Smith Adventures, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we do a, a large ride in Baja every year from Ensenada to Cabo take about 70 clients um, and it's kind of a self-guided ride so we have a course laid out uh, on GPS and all the clients get a GPS and get the course and they can ride the course uh, you know each day's course at their leisure so they're not it's not like a you know follow somebody's dust all day kind of thing but um, I spend a lot of time down in Baja I know uh, I know that country inside and out for sure nice yeah I got to do the the rip to Cabo uh, with Cameron Steele, what was it, April this year. That's the reason why I didn't do the Baja Rally uh, for 2015. And that's crazy. But it was it's, it's, it's what I was mentioning when I got to go to Baja for the first time. 
I was like, I have to come back. I have to come back. This is an amazing piece of country, amazing country. And, you know, being able to experience it now, doing the Baja Rally and doing the Rip to Cabo was absolutely amazing. I can only hope that one day I can find the, the gumption to get on whatever the right email list is to do uh, the Ensenada to Cabo with uh, the, the Malcolm Smith guys because it, that, that's the way I want to ride Baja now. I, want it, I don't ever want it to be the exact same thing. I want it to always be a different experience because you can tell so, that, that, that land is so vast. Um, and so they, I can only imagine what you guys could show me that nobody else could show me or, or, you know, or even some other random adventure group kind of a situation. So, yeah, it's funny. Fun. I was just, uh, I raced the Takati Enduro, uh, down in Baja two weekends ago. Yeah. I took, I took a newbie to Mexico down with me and we went trail riding the next day, um, after the race and, and we were riding for about 30 minutes and he pulled up next to me and stopped me. He's like, so we can just like ride anywhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you're like, yep. Like, yeah, that, that's kind of the point of coming to Mexico is you just ride anywhere. The only thing that keeps you out is a locked gate. <laughs> and even then, sometimes I was surprised. You know, locked gates are locked gates. But I just like hearing stories about what people say. It's like sometimes a locked gate's not a locked gate, and you're like, oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not going to cross a locked gate though, because I'm pretty sure I might get shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. When do you leave the country for Dakar? Uh, I leave uh, the morning of the 29th, and I get to um, Buenos Aires on the 30th, the night of the 30th. Man, so then you've got, what is that, the first, you've got 31st and the 1st to get ready, and then the prologue is January 2nd? That's correct, yeah. It's a short stage, um, kind of a, a ceremonial stage, and okay. then uh, first real day is on the 3rd. Well, dude, I know we kept you a little bit longer than we were hoping to, and I'm sorry about that, but thank you very much for coming on Seat Time. It's been awesome getting a chance to talk to you, learning a little bit more about Alexander Smith. It's one of those deals where, yes, anybody who rides a dirt bike and is enthused in this sport, they know who Malcolm Smith is, but the cool thing is is we've got his spawn, his his uh, his child of, of love, uh, coming to our world and, and making a difference and, and doing all the cool shit that his dad didn't do. You know what I mean, and that's that's what's even more fun. And I like the fact that you're kind of doing it on my level. You know, not that not that I think that if you and I raced that I would beat you kind of a level, but the fact that you're out there looking for the adventures, you're out there making sure that you're having fun on your dirt bike. But you got to remember, there's a there's a a forty hour forty plus hour week job to go back to sometimes, and I think we all kind of can lose sight of that. So it's awesome to see you finding that balance and making sure that you make it happen but then going out finding the adventures and enjoying life as we all like to try to do so yeah well cool well thanks for having me on i appreciate it and uh maybe after dakar i can come on and tell you a bunch of cool stories um no you're gonna have to that's that's i pretty much think that's just gonna have to happen yep cool (laughs) thanks dude and just remember when you're working out at the gym i'm drinking a beer it sounds good (laughs) all right man we'll chat soon Hey. Oh, yeah, yeah, good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay, so as we kind of uh, transfer from one guest to the next, that was awesome getting a chance to talk to Alexander Smith. Uh, we are going to have Chris Kiefer and Gary Sutherland come on. So, Tam, while you're in the Skypes, uh, there is going to be on your list. I think Chris Kiefer's there. You should be able to give him a ringy poo. Um, of course, big thanks to Fly Racing. So, flyracing.com, if you guys don't already know, to go check those guys out. Go to your local dealer. Say, hey, I would like to support Seat Time and Fly Racing. Where's your Fly Racing gear? I'd like to check it out. Um, it, it, it is best to buy that from your local dealer because supporting your sport 
at the local level is the best way to support your sport, period. Um, same way with Kinda Tire. So with Kinda Tire, you, if your dealer does not carry Kinda Tires and you're looking for them, you can ask them. Say, hey, guys, why don't you carry it? They can call their distributors. They can call Kinda, and they can get tires to them. Uh, remember, the Equilibrium and some of their hybrid tires are absolutely amazing for riding off-road, especially in some of the gnarlier, gnarlier terrain. So, oh, my wife didn't hit the mute button before she called on Skype. Oh, my God. Da, 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 da. We're getting all the fun messages. Message, message, messages, message. Hey, is this the right person that we called? Can you hear it? Gary. Gary and Chris Kiefer. Oh, sound. <laughs> Hold on. Open it up. Can you see us? I, I can't see you. Oh. Hold on. Chris doesn't know how to work a computer. Chris doesn't know how to work. This is the best best radio ever, bro. Isn't that, isn't that stupid Steve's comment? Hey, there are those numbskulls. You guys, can you hear me now? Can you can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah, we're good. Are we in are we in dead zone? Okay. So, Kindatire dot com. Go check out Kindatire USA. And then of course Stillwell Performance. And I, I and we're gonna I, I couldn't tell if that was like like you hit play on some recorded like thing that some laugh track that you had or if that was actually your daughter like that was hilarious so emery's eating lucky charms i like it she's lucky she's lucky she's got you two find find men to help her grow up uh so stillwellperformance.com i know we'll get these guys to talk about them doing all the badass that they do chris keeper's ridden a couple of the bikes that they put together for some of the enduro cross and then the gncc's out on the east so stillwellperformance.com if you have any kind of off-road suspension needs keeper pinned bitches now we're going to get back to seat time so we had a little bit of a serious moment. No, I wouldn't say we had too serious of a moment with Mr. Alexander Smith. But what we are going to do is we're going to take it down a notch and bring me back to my roots of being an awesome random dude with Chris Kiefer and Gary Sutherland. Holy crap, guys. How are you doing? It's been too long. We, we were just uh, we were just fighting. We were fighting like two minutes ago. <laughs> I, was talking, I was talking shit about his uh, helmet and how he's putting on his stickers for his photo shoot tomorrow. And I said it looked like shit. And then he yelled at me. Not all of us just, you know, I'm not used to hitting kickers and getting free shit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, my sticker placement's off a little bit. So, Evan, and he was nice enough to remind me about that. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, had, I really got nothing for you. My sticker placement's always pretty poor. So, well, there's certain ways that you got to put them on so the camera could see them. And Gary wasn't doing it the correct way, but his sticker game was like actually really big. And I said, you need to dim those down just a little bit. So, plus he's hungry. So that means I'm he's angry. That means he's angry. You're I'm angry right now, man. I think they make Snickers for that, right? Isn't that the whole I think commercial? He's got a couple Snickers, but I'm trying to watch my girlish figure over here, man. You need to. I was going to say something. It's been too long, and look, you look. Blo- Maybe it's the camera, but you look pretty bloated. It's not the camera, man. I, I, it's muscles. It's this D8 eight training right here. That's <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, dude, Chris Kiefer, you've been doing a lot of testing, a lot of figuring stuff out. Um, I think the biggest thing that kind of was like, I got to figure out more about this is the saving the puppies and then the asterisk nose magnets thing. 
<laughs> so like what but in, in all honesty what was the saving the puppy i mean we could tell from the video there were some puppies and probably a guy that had them and stuff but were they like right. keeping them there at the track to like until they got homes what was that yeah well we were looking for actually what started it we were looking for a quiet spot just do the video and we went up if you guys people that are familiar with milestone there's like a driveway coming down to the track on the upper part of the property there's a couple trailers and uh there's some guys that live up there. Well, there's some uh, Mexican guy that had a bunch of puppies, and I go, hey, Denison, you know, it'd be cool. Everyone loves puppies, so let's do a video by the puppies, right? So I sat there next to the puppies, and uh, comes to find out they're, uh, they're the stray, the mama, you know, end up humping some random dog next and had the, had the strays, right? That you know, happens in California. That's what happens, time. you know, strays. We know where this is going. Coming a mile away. I was, ah. I was like, eh, cut the tape. Anyway, so <laughs> the guy he has a he has like a, a nonprofit organization and he saves stray dogs and I thought it was cool. I'm a big dog lover. I actually like dogs better than humans, so I figured uh Yeah. You know. So anyway, it, it, that's how it's <laughs> so he kept throwing his website on the deal, and yeah, so I guess the, the the three puppies that were there already got saved, so that was cool. Oh heck yeah, that is cool. No, that was it was very random. So that's why I was like, I kind of want a little bit more on this. That's for sure. Okay, now the asterisk deal is this what we saw like Weston Pike and like one or two other dudes like while we saw the magnets taped on their noses earlier in the year, like for Supercross and stuff. Right. Like, were exactly. they kind of like prototyping these, I guess, or like testing them or whatever? Yeah. So I guess they these been around for about a year. Okay. And uh, I tested some. I don't know a few months back. That was just like a pre-production see deal. That? See that guy right there? And uh, what kind of beer are you drinking tonight? I want to see. Okay. The be- beer better than what you're drinking because you're not true. Drinking any. Yeah. It's a, is that a Yeti? Is that the Yeti thing? Yes, it is. Oh, you're the man. Okay, so I'm drinking Franconia Falling Bach. Uh, so we live here in McKinney, Texas, and this is actually a local brewery. Uh, and you got to support, you know, drink local, ride local, whatever. Uh, why do you? I want to know why you need the Yeti thing, though. You drink those things fast enough, you shouldn't have to drink, keep it. Hey, if it, it probably oh. costs seven hundred bucks. That's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, uh, hello. Uh, this was a whole paycheck. Okay. No, it was like what's one show yeah it, is, it was like 30 bucks so it wasn't too bad and i'll be honest it works and for these shows there's there's times when i drink a lot and you're right you're right gary like i just go through it and they don't need to be they don't need to stay cold they're cold the whole time and then there's times like tonight where i'm not feeling all that hot so i just kind of sip on it a little bit and uh, we just make it happen so shut up don't make fun of me i'm gonna call my mom so anyway, before Gary started talking about alcohol, we were talking about dirt bikes. <laughs> okay, the, sorry, the, 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 drank it. The asterisk stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah. No, no. That, this is that's interesting. The They're just magnets to your nose, and there's a magnet piece that goes on the nose piece of your goggle, and it just you know magnetizes to your nose and spreads your nostrils open, similar to a breathe right. But yeah. people out there that wear breathe rights, it's kind of like uh, having like two on it. It just really spreads your your nostrils really wide, mm. and there's a lot of you know skepticism out there as far as like, like people saying, oh, it doesn't work. And there's like scientific research that says that it doesn't. But for me as a test guy, like I go off a of feeling and I feel like I can breathe better with a, with a, no, a breathe ride or this, this AC system on. You know, I feel like I can yeah. get more yeah. direct flow through yeah. my nose. Yeah. 
No, yeah. I, I would love to try those. It, uh, I, I don't know if you asked them, but I'm wondering that the tape thing, I think, is where it feels a little hokey. Um, now, granted, I haven't tested it. I haven't had a chance to play with it. Just looking at it anyway. Have they tried with playing around with anything that, like, and maybe this just feels weird, but, like, that, like, pinches into the nostril a little bit and that has, like, the magnet on it so it, like, holds it there um, opposed <laughs> to having that to use the tape? Know. Yeah, that I don't know, but I know that they, they've gone through different, you know, uh, magnets and... The the whole the catchy thing is you got to kind of know where to place them because if you you put them on you got to know where exactly where your sweet spot is and it depends what goggle but I run mine a little high that way it spreads them open sometimes it doesn't catch so you just gotta to learn where your sweet spot is but otherwise you know once you get it down it's good you know it sounds like I'm I'm 13 years old and I'm getting sex advice from an older man. I was, I was, that's where I was going. That's what I do. I, I help Gary with that all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he thinks he does. Oh, he's my God. emotional guy. He's more of an emotional guy, more of a physical guy. Yeah, he's like, you got a hug board. No, bro. No. <laughs> you gotta, you, you, he is a hugger. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> that picture you put up, what, I don't even know how many weeks ago it was, though. It was a Wednesday night in Vegas, I think. It was just your wife, like, sprawled, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, the side, the side boob picture? I like how he yeah. Said sprawled. <laughs> yeah, that wife's all sprawled out like, hey. <laughs> those, those pictures I keep to myself. I don't yeah. think yeah, that one wasn't on Instagram. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was just one he texted me that I thought was on Instagram because I was drunk. <laughs> it happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, well, holy crap, um, Gary. Let, let's uh, let's let's give Gary a chance to talk, and then Chris yeah, can make fun of him. Here we go. Get in the hot seat. The tide, the tide shifted. Gary. Oh no, well, Gary. No, because the hey, thing is, actually, a good-looking guy to talk to. Finally. Hello. Yeah, you like the mustache, don't you? Um, so, dude, great year. Obviously, you had a lot of injuries, all the kind of stuff that was, you know, this, that, the other that wasn't the way you wanted it to go. But for being able to come back and kind of finish off the way you did. Fucking congratulations. So Thanks, with all the way that things have gone, being a very, I think, positive to all of your sponsors, like what does your 2016 look like? Have you figured all that out? You're still signing contracts. Wait, yeah. you said stickers and photo shoot tomorrow, so you must know something. That's right. You know, I, I'm lucky but, enough. I'm but the PR hasn't come out, so I can't say anything yet. Oh, I'll tell you. What, what do you want to know? I can tell you whatever you want to know. I, I'm, I'm a, He's getting paid bank. I'm, I'm a freaking nature. Bank, right bitches. Um, <laughs> I break yeah, all the rules. This year's, this year's good. I'm actually I'm taking on a way bigger workload as far as racing, and um, I'm sticking with KTM. I was I'm lucky enough to be uh, factory supported again this year with KTM and having uh, Robbie working on my bikes and uh, just all around. I'm doing four. I'm doing all the West Coast Off Road Series. So I'm doing everything. I'm doing Hair and Hound Works, Big Six, and West Coast Terra Scrambles. Okay, holy shit. So, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of racing, and you know this year I've actually. Uh, I made the move to Arizona, Ooh. and uh, oh. yeah, I actually uh, changed up my structure. I'm working with Destry really close, and uh, actually, I'm living about a mile or so from Taylor, so it's really good kind of change for me, you know, personally. And Emery was good. I mean, she, we, uh, I'm more friends and like close family there, other than like here in California, where I just had Chris Kiefer and his your, wife. Your desert bros. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. <laughs> Not to knock on them, but I had a little more support, I think, as far as more people. I can't just knock on their door all the time to help with Emory. So, um, you know, I think structure-wise, it's going to be better. And so far, it's it's already shown to be um, an improvement for me. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to 16. It's just going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of racing. I have something to say, though. Uh -oh. Go on. 
Continue, I sir. Feel like, I feel like KTM kind of Jip Gary. Like, I feel like K- my personal view is KTM should have gave Gary a factory ride versus giving him support ride when Gary is actually a more well-rounded ride, like a really good well-rounded rider. Like, he can ride moto. He can national hair and hound. He's a threat to win anything that he races, you know? Yeah, and I agree. Me, not to mention other riders on the team, but, like, they're only a threat to win one series. They couldn't go to multiple series and win. And so this year, I think if Gary if Gary wins, he should be getting a ride, you know, and a, and a salary. No, I, that's my, yeah. I, so the thing is, though, too, uh, first off, I have to say, that was the nicest thing Chris has said to me since I've been here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. But, You're welcome. <laughs> but I, I definitely, I will say this, like, KTM hat, like, there's politics beyond what other people can see as far as numbers and people being on the team and stuff that that like as an outsider that I learned a little bit more about this year so you know I'm thankful enough to have the support I have with KTM and they definitely stepped up the program for me this year more than last year so um I agree I agree with Chris like I feel like I'm a threat in different series but at the same time like you know it is a stepping stone I guess and I mean at the end of the day I just have to be thankful that I'm still able to you know race for a living and um you know not uh not let the small stuff bother me, which, you know, it's He easy. takes it out on me and that's yeah. everybody else. <laughs> so I think, you know, this year has a lot of promise for me and uh, I just need to stay healthy and with the program and the people I have around me, it'll be good. And, uh, you know, I look forward to bigger and better in 17, of course, and just keep moving forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, no, and to Chris's point, yes, it's, I kind of agree because I've always wondered too, like the way that I've watched like Gary kind of come up and win this series and then win this series. And then I was like, holy shit. I was like, this guy's on point. Um, it is interesting, but I think it's it's some of those weird series where like they're watching them one year and then they're not watching the next year. And so they feel like they're putting their money here. And well, he didn't win that one this year. And so it's like, oh, well, I don't know. Well, but yeah, the, like the way the way I look at it is, and I told Gary this a while ago, is there hasn't been a rider that has won a national heron hound and a works race since Kurt. Yep. I mean, that was the last guy that could actually do that, right? And then you have a guy that's done that, maybe not win both championships like Kurt did yet, but like a guy that can win both sides of it and race, you know? So maybe if uh, you don't get hurt this year, maybe you'll be good. Yeah, you know, and that's, that comes down to it is, you know, I made a stupid mistake last year and kind of just instantly uh, put myself out of it. So, you know, it was one of those things where – you know, once I, you know, had to swallow that pill that I was basically out of the championship in both series, uh, you know, I came back and I, I raced 15 times last year. And my worst finish was two thirds. So, I mean, I was first or second all year. But unfortunately, Ricky Brabeck got the best of me at the last oh! round. I had to throw that in there. So I'm number I'm number two for works and number three for Heron Hounds. And that's I think that's actually one of the bigger changes uh, this year you're going to notice is uh you know, I talked with you guys know Andrew Campo, and yep. he's a really close friend of mine. And uh, you know, with me running three twenty four for PJ, you know, we talked. I have some sponsors that were interested in me running the single digit, and uh, he kind of threw it over to me and said, "You know what, buddy? You're always going to be you know three twenty four at heart, and you're always going to be that number." So this year we're running. Uh, I'm running the number three, Mike Brown. Mike Brown, and uh, and I think there's some. You know, once I actually get to say, uh, show a photo of my bike, I'm going to call Mike out on this because I think it's a win-win for me. Running the number three, either two things are going to happen. People are going to think Mike Brown's riding KTM's again. <laughs> so they're going to so come talk to me. Number two, 
they're gonna go. Then they're gonna go. Oh, Mike Brown isn't riding KTM's, and then they're gonna still come up to me and talk to me. And then number three, they're gonna go. Man, Mike Brown's put on some weight. I wonder we better go talk to him. So <laughs> that dude got I mean, young. What happened? So, yeah. So Villapoto and Mike Brown, number two. Yeah, number three. I'm Villapoto and Mike Brown this year. So switching it up a little bit, and uh, but excited, man. It's gonna be a good season. So. That's wicked, dude. So where is this photo shoot tomorrow? Are you going to be able to hit some kickers? Oh, yeah. I'm, well, I don't know. You look as good as me in the photo. That's, so that's no sure. one can, Chris yeah. Kiefer. No one can. I don't have a 12-year-old girl's body, so yeah. I guess I'm never going to look good on a dirt bike. Heather appreciates it. So <laughs> <laughs> she's just so glad she doesn't have too much to hold on to. She's got, she's got, <laughs> she's got baby hands, so she can't really she, handle that she, much of a man. Hey, Lee Herman, where's yeah. he at? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's funny you bring that up because I was going to talk about that. Mr. Dale Spangler wanted to know what was going on with Mr. Uh, Pee Wee Hermhand. We want that guy's back. Me and my wife followed Pee Wee Hermhand. And then we actually found a little baby's arm hand in Lake Elsinore dirt. And we kept it. And then we called it Pee Wee's cousin. <laughs> Pee Wee's left arm. <laughs> oh hey, but, hey, let me let's talk more about Gary. No, yeah. I don't want to talk about. It. Let's talk about something else. No, come on, Gary's you wearing Troy Lee gear, Bell helmets, and Alpine Star boots. Official. And goggles. Are we, are we all the contracts are signed. It's just happening. It's done. Happened. Done. How Bonanza much? Plumbing. Bonanza plumbing. Why am I repping your shit? Yeah. Hold on, because because he's, he's not as much of a bitch as you are. I mean, he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just came out swinging. It's not my fault. Like. Give me a, give me an opportunity to talk about about it. Shit, he's like, rah, rah, rah. he's I, like. I wish you were wearing fly though, because then we could we could hang out more. Right. Don't be. Don't, well, he didn't look good in that slim fit shit. He had to get no. some baggy stuff. Yeah, I got. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a very muscular frame. I like to yeah. I like to call it husky when I talk about my men, but you know whatever. <laughs> This is muscle, man. Come on. Oh, yes, it is. It's funny. Uh, Max Max Gerson said I look he because we uh, work out at Destry's Gym together. Right. Working a lot on my flexibility and stuff because I'm not very flexible. Of course, no. you see my body type. And so he just he's like, dude, you just look like a fire hydrant. You're just a fire hydrant. <laughs> That's a good. Like, that is a good, a good one. Yeah. That makes me think of the T Rex where he's like, I got a big head and little hands or little arms. <laughs> Now you're just making fun of me, and that's just messed up, dude. Oh, it's okay. I'm the host. I can do what I want. Give me my strong arm, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> no, give me your other one. No, my strong arm. I like the strong arm. You guys are too much fun. I like it togetherness. Um, so, okay, so that's a crap ton of shit going on in the West Coast. Are you going to be able to do any of the Endurocross that's going to take place in the back half of the year? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I... It, it, there's a possibility. I mean, with having that many series and focusing on that much stuff, I mean, there's always a possibility of it depending on the season. You just, you never kind of know. And it kind of depends on auntie, but I mean, basically I've been kind of told where I, where they want me and what they want me to do. And unfortunately like Enduro cross isn't in that picture, which sucks because I always loved Enduro cross and yeah. I felt, you know, but the problem is with that is like you got Cody and Taylor and Colton and, you know, that's just the top three guys. I mean, those guys are dedicating, you know, everything to just that series, right. you know. So to not come in, I mean, I don't want to come in without being 100%. So there's a possibility of seeing me, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. What do you think? Now, this is kind of a, this is definitely for both of you guys, and Chris may have some good input on this. What do you think about the Enduro Cross be- schedule being literally like August to December and just <laughs> squished all together? 
Or just in a ha- handful of months. There's two ways to look at it. I because being that I've raced Endurocross and they spread it out, it kind of sucks when it's spread out because you ride Endurocross for a while and then you don't, and then you do. I like the fact that they bunch it together because it's going to give some of the Endurocross guys an opportunity to race some other series and stuff at the beginning of the year. Right. I could see. Um, but also, as far as like as a racer, um, well, another plus to that is when you start racing week in, week out, it's good. Like when you're racing week in, week out, you get more confident, everything, more gate drops, everything's good. But if, let's say, you get hurt or you have a nagging little injury, yeah. it can ruin your whole season. Yeah, it compounds before. or you just don't ever yeah. recover. Go ahead. And also on the, on the back side of that, for me, I think they ever since you know we switched, you know, we were at Source and we moved over to Bonnier, we we helped run the you know Dirt Rider helped run you know Endurocross, and now that we got bought out, Transworld's kind of doing that, and you're not going to see Don Maida at a at a at an Endurocross event, you know. So us guys here, the core guys at Dirt Rider, you know, we're we like riding off road, so we like going and you know doing the races and promoting it. So I think uh, the promotion of the events kind of lagged this year. So hopefully, um, you know, maybe next year something will change and. That will kind of help the series along as well because I think for me, as a motocross guy, like every time I race it, I'm blown away how gnarly those dudes are. Like yeah. to me, those those guys are real dirt bike dudes. Those guys have real handling skills. Like moto guys ain't got shit on those dudes. Like no. it's amazing to watch guys like Cody and and, and Colton Wright and, and, and it's it's insane. So, um, as far as you know, doing the the series that close, I think they kind of have to do that because some of those guys race different kinds of off-road races and it kind of conflicts with other races. So it's tough to find, you know, open weekends where the guys can make it too, you know? So. Yeah. And it, I think, and it's weird because if you look at the top guys, like we're talking the Cody Webbs, the Colton, and then of course we're like Kyle Redman, some of those guys, like that was like all they did. Like, but then... Kyle Redmond being, even though he is um, in that kind of, he's he's a you know factory beta. The problem is, is that he still needs to race other series to make more money. Um, where Cody really doesn't. He's trying to go to school, all that kinds of stuff. So it's interesting that they're going to push it off um, to the back half and squish it all together. Now that now, you know the Kyle Redmonds and the Max Gerstens are going to go race other series in the early part. But I wonder, like. If they're doing really good, is Beta still going to support them in those series, um, or is it just like they're just kind of putting there? You know, since they have open free time, they're going to send them to these events. I wonder if they're going to be there for the whole year, or if it's just really kind of well, we're not racing Endurocross at the beginning, so we'll just make it work. Well, and also too, you got to think about you know the manufacturer is going to want more for their dollars, so you know they give Redmond X amount of dollars, and shit doesn't start till August. You know, we need to put Redmond and something else to, you know, showcase our bikes, you know? Yeah. Because obviously there's not a whole ton of betas here in America. So you need to, you need to create awareness around King of Hammer, Last Dog Standing, Tennessee Knockout, all those kind of things. As long as they, as long as they like put those, spread, it around. spread those dates around, they can keep those extreme off road guys like, you know, doing those, those events. And, you know, I feel like, Exposure is exposure. You know what I mean? Like beta, like like he's saying, beta is not going to want to sit around and not have any of their bike, yep. you know, Kyle Edmund or whoever, whoever it may be. I mean, look at like KTM's having me do all these series. Well, they're doing it because they want to see me and my bike on the podium week in, week out, just in the media, in the 
the average guy. He's a face. racing gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a workhorse, man. Yep. Workhorse. That's why you're husky. Yeah. Not uh, not on a husky. Hard, you just are husky. Huskies. Huh? Everybody attacks my weight. He gets say hey. He gets sensitive on that shit. Be careful. You just need to find a lady who's just like all about just giving bear hugs. You see, the thing is, Gary's not fat. He's just thick. Like when that's, I, that's what she said. When I, <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> we when like to think it when, does. When you look at his stomach, he takes his shirt off because I observe him when he's getting dressed at the track. As that's you, not gay. As that's you not, should. Yes, that's I'm not gay. I'm married. Everything's fine. So yeah, when I observe so you at the track, it's weird. There's some abs there. I see the abs. It's like. You ever see those bodybuilders that just look thick and they have these chunks of abs? That's what Gary's like. And then uh, you're gonna start talking about how much like man chest hair he has too. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's change the no, subject. Just, <laughs> shave his shit. I tell him don't. We're talking. Where? Why can't like? Okay. Seat time's going in a totally wrong direction. I know rainbow and all this gay, all this stuff. Let's start talking about something else, like women or something. Okay. So here's here's one thing. I, I want to get Chris uh, Chris's opinion, and Gary, you too. Even though you haven't had a chance to do the uh, Tennessee knockout, so this last year uh-huh. I, I made it back and I got to t- do the Tennessee knockout. Did the amateur thing on Saturday, right? And I did it for fun. Like my whole goal and going was to have a good time at the amateur shit on Saturday and then go take pictures on Sunday to do the photo epic and do some filming and stuff, right? That was my goal. So I go ride Sunday, and I do really good. And I get, like, in the top, I think I was, like, 23rd or 21st or something like that, like, in the in the first race. And then um, in, in the second race, I just barely made it. But I, I qualified for the back half. So... Like, okay, cool. Like, I qualified to go to the pro day, and everybody's giving me shit, even my dad. I'm like, okay, well, it looks like we just lost our internet. What happened? Are we still live? I don't know if we're still live. Somebody check the feed. Somebody check the feed. Somebody check the feed. See if you can call them back. Somebody check the feed. Check the feed. Check the feed. We might have lost them. (sighs) Man, I'm telling you. One day, one day, this show will run smooth. It's such a bad experience sometimes. It's okay, we're having fun, though. Did you guys back? Yeah, can you? I don't got a picture. Hold on, I know a picture. Wait for it. My my wife is is pushing the buttons. Wait. So where I was at was that I qualified for the pro shit on Sunday. But I was, my dad and a bunch of other people were giving me shit the whole time. And I was like, listen, I rode great, sure. I had fun on Saturday, which was my goal and then I got to take some bitching ass pictures on Sunday, which I think I did a fantastic fucking job. So like, did it? Did I bitch out? Did I whatever? Like, what are y'all's thoughts on on uh, on that? On not racing Sunday? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I, I ain't gonna hate on it. He's a moto guy though, so like honestly, like that's no joke. Like especially if you want to take some kick ass photos, like you said, I, I that's cool. You got to get the whole experience. You did the experience Saturday. Then you got to hang out and be a spectator and a photographer on Sunday. That's sick. I, I'm, I'm with Chris on this a little bit because, I mean, realistically, you're being realistic. You ha- you went and did what you wanted to do. So now knowing that, hey, I'm capable enough to re- you know, to qualify for Sunday, now 2016, your goal is, hey, I want to make it into Sunday again and actually race Sunday. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, see it like that. I And I appreciate you saying that. But I just I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the goal of having fun again because 
<laughs> I, I don't know my, my hopes and my dreams would be dynamically crushed if I went into it like, all right, I'm going to go into the high labs on Sunday and I'm going to qualify. I'm not saying go blow the world. <laughs> I'm just saying go ride. Like maybe you should come out west and try the king of the motos. King mm-hmm. of Hammer. Yeah, king, yeah, king, yeah, yeah, king of motos. Yeah, king of moto. King? No. Why? I mean, because it costs money. Yeah. Costs money? But I think Tennessee knockout would be a little bit tougher, don't you think? No. No? Uh, that's that's a tough call. Really different. It's slippery. Yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, but, we've got yeah, the, that's gonna be way more humid and way more like wet rocks where you guys have a lot more of the like the loose, like shaly kind of shit that's going on. But it, that start is way more gnarly than what you get at TKO. And that's I think why the TKO allows somebody like myself to do so well. Like I'm a good technical rider, blah 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 blah, but I'm not an elbow busting mother bitch, like so that 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 open start, that open start is just crazy. Y'all heard that? I heard that in a movie once. Y'all are mother, mother bitches. Was it Pulp Fiction? I feel like it might have been Pulp Fiction. No, I think it was uh, on English. Bo- no, on Booty Call. <laughs> Apparently, I have. If I'm using the word mother bitch, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. That would be fun. But the, the thing is, it's you know I've driven across the damn country twice now. To go do different events in Baja, and that shit's awesome, but it's all about the the time, the effort, and the way to fund it, and the way to not be at work, and all that kinds of stuff. And you just gotta figure that stuff out, you know. Obviously, we do this for fun and get paid very little for it. So, so win the lottery and quit complaining. Okay. Yep. Just like you did. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good comeback. <laughs> well, you got. Hey, you got to buy tickets, dude. And if I win the lottery... To the gun I'll... show? <laughs> oh, sorry. If I win the lottery, I'll hook you up. We'll make a team. All right. We're going to... Yeah. Mo- motorcycling. Do it for the love because you ain't doing it for the money. Yep. And that's that's the biggest thing. My dad and I, the past two years, now that they've moved to Texas, we've had so much fun just traveling around going to these events together. He drives a Sprinter in the RV, and then when I, he can't drive, I drive it, and we just got to go ride. And he pit dads for me and shit. Like, and it's not about, like, again, like, he gave me so much crap about not racing Sunday, but I knew I wanted to. We did so well with the photo epic and the video from 2014 that I wanted to step it up. And so I was just like, no, Dad, like, this is it. But it's like, in reality, like, we we talked and had so much fun and did all that shit together. Like we wouldn't have had that if yeah. we hadn't done it together. So. Yeah, exactly. So, right I on. Hey, I just went. I just went to Montana and spent Mantana? seven days hunting with my dad that I haven't hunted with in about seven years. And other than eating totally off the schedule of what I normally eat and my liver needing a detox after seven days. No water, all beer. Yeah, it was big. <laughs> we had six guys. We had six guys for a week and I go, hey, I need some water. Where's, where'd you guys bring the water? Oh, we brought, I think there's a case in the truck and I'm like, hold on, one case for seven days? Yeah. No. <laughs> I can tell you, you, you can pretty much do the, you can do the math. He wasn't too sad about it. I wasn't a whole, I wasn't, Yeah. It was nice, you know, though, I was nice to take a break from racing and not like, you know, get up, drink coffee that was made with straight up, uh, my dad, like, they full on old cowboy coffee. Like, we're in a wall tent, 23 below, and they pour coffee grounds in a big pot of water and just boil it, and you drink the coffee grounds, <laughs> and, oh, yeah, hey, you want some creamer in that? Well, guess what the creamer was? The creamer's Bailey's, so at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm drinking <laughs> my coffee, I'm like... I don't know about this. You mean you're putting it in your coffee ground water? Yeah, Chris wouldn't last about six hours, yeah. and he'd be like, oh, 
I, I need mean, I need my fufu stuff. Heather, Heather, help me. Heather, make Heather. me something. Well, I need the Keurig. Where Heather, the Keurig <laughs> I can't. the fire. It's cold <laughs> over I here. Push a button, damn it. Heather, where's my sandwich? <laughs> yeah, but then he'd be like, hey, you want to have sex? And she'd be like, yeah. And then Gary would be like, wait, I can't do that. Oh. Right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe in a hotel by the time that it's happens. It's too damn cold out there to have sex anyway. That's, yeah. yeah, nobody needs to have their skin exposed in those kind of situations. Right. Nope. Some, just some of us aren't, aren't cut out just, for real men life. <laughs> well, I, I would probably die because I probably wouldn't be able to eat because all the shit that they're eating, I wouldn't eat. Oh, we ate some stuff, man. I mean, it was... I'll just be all dick and ribs is what I'd be. <laughs> he wishes. He wishes. <laughs> Chris would be much more dick than shit than ribs. <laughs> Give me I, so. I think it's all ribs. It's all <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I like it. So, Chris, uh, well, we know, uh, if I were to ask Gary this, we know what bike he's going to enjoy the most. It's his KTM 450. But, Chris, what bike so far that you've been testing of the 2016s is your personal favorite and why? Well, for me, there's no, I mean, everyone knows this. Switch. Uh, I like, uh, I love Yamaha bike. You know, the Yamaha bike this year is really good. And that, you know, the KTM, the new KTM is actually really good too. In our shootout, I rated it uh, a third behind the, the Yamaha and the Cowie. So, but for me, just for, as a guy going to buy a motorcycle and leaving it stock, it's the motor's great on the Yamaha, has a spring fork that is really good. Um, it's not the best cornering bike. Obviously, the KTM is a little bit better in the, in the cornering department, but it's just tough to beat when you got a good set of suspension and a strong motor, you know? Absolutely. So what are your thoughts on the new 450FX and the new 250X? Uh, 250X is, you know, it's still kind of moto. He has an 18-inch rear tire, you know, and... I figured that they could, you know, they didn't have hand guards on that bike. On the FX, they have hand guards. It's more right. off-roady, and the Watch transmission's that. different. So I feel the FX is more an off-road version of a, of of that bike. Yeah. Um, I think it's for a guy that likes to go race Grand Prix and you know do the occasional hare and hound and go ride moto. I think that's that's a kick-ass bike. You know, it'd be really fun to ride. Yeah. That's I'm not much of a I'm not much of a two-stroke guy. Every time I ride a two-stroke, I always think, "Man, what was I thinking back in the day?" I'm just so <laughs> spoiled riding that you know the the bigger four-strokes where you can be lazy and do what you want to do. Still, you know. What was the biggest big bore you ever put on one of your two-strokes? Hmm, five hundred kit. <laughs> well, <laughs> Supercross. It was a uh, one seventy-six. What? Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. And you didn't get every hole shot ever known to man. Well, that see the 176 only lasted one race because that's when all shit broke loose. Like, Vulliman called me out. I was rolling inside, still tripling. So, either I had to switch up my riding style or go back to the normal bike. So I went back to the normal bike. So it was just it was too convenient just to roll inside and jump jump. So I was like, screw it, I'll go back. <laughs> Everyone's like, hey, that's not supposed to happen. You're like, oh yeah, shit. Mm. You're like, no, it's a 125. You're like, why does it sound so deep? I don't know. Maybe it's that silencer. Why do you, you why do you like it so deep? Sure. I don't know. Shit. Cheat. It just feels good. Exactly. He's, he was only cheating himself. That's all I had to remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I'm really interested. I rode the 2015 250FX. I know um, uh, Jason Reigns will be coming back before Supercross with some of the new Yamahas. Uh, and I'm looking forward to riding the 450 uh, YZ up against the FX and then kind of the same thing, riding the 250 YZ and then riding the 250 YZ X. 
uh, kind of back to back just to really see if there really is that much of a difference. I kind of, I haven't ridden the bikes, but I kind of agree like what it sounds like just what they've changed that the 250X maybe isn't off-road enough. Yeah, exactly. But, and here's here's another thing too, is I meant to talk about this right when it happened, but Chris Dennison in his video about people bitching and complaining about the 250X not having a, a electric start. Electric start, right. It's, it's, uh, it's not about having an electric start in the parking lot, and it's not about having an electric start when you're next to your bike or your truck. It's about the time when you're like fucking, you fucked up on a hill, and you're like, oh my god, and the second you like try to throw your leg over, you're going to fall off. Like That's when I'm like, I want my electric start. Like Exactly. And that's why those bikes should have it, because that the technology's there. Like There's no reason for it not to be on the bike. So. Yeah, you know, and I think that's going to change. Obviously, it's the first year of this bike, and they probably want to see how sales was going to do. Yeah. And I agree. I think sales could have been better with an electric start because, you know, one, it's still pretty bitch when you have an electric start two-stroke. We're used to electric start four-strokes, but when we get on a two-stroke, an electric start, it's, it's really nice. Um, but I agree. After, you know, testing all different kinds of bikes and having the KTM and the Husky have an electric starts and you get on a – on a Japanese model and you, you have to kick it. You're like, man, this sucks. You just get used to, you know, pushing a button. But, uh, but it, honestly, like for racing, and I'm sure you can attest to this is sometimes electric start is not quicker. Oh yeah. Off, yep. off the flag than it is like having to kick start. Right. Yep. I, I've, Honestly, like it's funny we're on this topic. Like I, I pulled, I pulled whole shot on Gary at the works race. Just FYI, <laughs> suck it. Yeah, it only lasted. It lasted two corners, but I still want whole shot. <laughs> I'm sure Heather was high fiving somebody at that point. She made me a sandwich when I got back. I was good. Yeah, I almost—I think I lapped him or got close. But anyway, we're not going to go there. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to put him down. Don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, it's funny, you know. I think it's great that Yamaha is putting showing interest in the off-road market because, as a racer, um, and of course, you know, I, I ride for KTM and I love my KTM. Uh, but I think it's a good thing that. Uh, I think it's a good thing that that somebody is putting pressure on KTM right now because KTM has an off-road market pigeonholed. Like yep. re- realistically, you look at it, they are the ones supporting off-road racing. They have an off-road team. They are still dumping money into off-road bikes and making them better. They got a shit ton of off-road bikes. They, and, they, shit and, ton, cool yeah. thing, and the good thing is, is I like that Yamaha is putting pressure because it's only going to make KTM better and it's only going to make – more options for racers and riders and, 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 you know, having KTM, you know, we're not going to be racing ourselves. You know, it's not just going to be all KTMs on the line or Huskies or whatever it may be. And going back to what Chris had to say about the electric start, I actually personally for dead engine starts, I like the kickstart better because I had it like on my old Cowies when I rode Kawasaki's, my technique was, I had a technique down and, and I, and it was fall proof. Whereas like with the electric start, we now, like when I first got it, I was I liked the Kickstart better. But now that I'm the second year now on my KTM, uh, we've done some stuff, and Robbie and the guys in the motor department have done some stuff to help the bike fire quicker. And uh, what's that stuff, Gary? Stuff. Do you have the Do you have the fun little button that Caleb Russell and like Casey Martinez have on their little? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's not really a big secret. All it is is. They it's not they switched it from a button to uh, basically it's and anybody can do it with a KTM it's not it's not a secret and, and it's 
Everybody, so, everybody, get your pins everybody out. Get your pins out. Pen and so papers. You can lesson. actually. They uh, we wired into the front brake, so when you pull the front brake in, it uh, it trip it trips and turns the fuel pump and the and the CDI box on. So it just try it just helps um, and basically initiate the starting process when you hit that button. Fuel pump on, right? It turns the fuel pump on and the electrical system on when you pull in the front brake. Right, and, and that's so, and that and for somebody like myself who's only had a four stroke now with EFI for a little while, that's like when they say, "Okay, you want to hit the button and you can kind of hear everything." Uh, for yeah, lack of a better sure. term, rev up, like. You can kind of like feel it vibrate, and then you give it a second, and then push it to start it. Like that's kind of like essentially what you're doing is is that? Yeah. And and to be honest with you, it helps a little, but I, it's that's the thing with electric start is it's what me like I I spent a lot of time with Destry before the first Heron Hound this year because starts are so important at Heron Hound, and Destry's you know very very you know knowledgeable and good and probably one of the best guys. Ever to race desert, and so Ooh, uh, yeah. ever, yeah. I mean, dude, he, him and Danny Hamill. Okay, are tied. I was gonna say I, I have disagreed. Danny him and, Hamill. Him was, and Danny Hamill are tied for a hair. What about Dan Smith? I don't know Dan Smith. See, this guy doesn't know. Then. This guy doesn't know his history. I don't know man. my history. He, he's not a desert rat like you are, Keith. You know what though? You know what? He put me on blast, and I didn't lie to him, and I didn't cheat. So I just told him the truth. Yeah, but, it is. So what I'm trying to say is the uh, the good thing about electric electric start on four stroke or two stroke is it sometimes i feel like it may not start as quick as the kickstarter but it's always consistent you're okay. always going to get basically the same if you don't mess up and you hit that button perfect and, and a lot of guys like i do i've done it i did it at work that's why he got i oh. when i hit the button i gave it gas too quick and it coughed yep and that was my fault it wasn't the bike's fault so if you do the right starting procedure with a ktm or any bike any bike with electric start is it's at least it's consistent. Well, I think also too, like what you were saying about Dennison's post is there's just there's just Nazis anywhere you go. Like yep. if oh, you yeah. think that if you don't have an electric start, it's not an off road bike. You know, like dude, that's not the case. Right. So absolutely, absolutely. It, it, I think now we all know that Yamaha is slow as a slow process. Like they kind of tiptoe into anything new. It seems like until they have that like you know, brand new shit like they did when they were, you know, did the four strokes back in the 90s. But um, I think they could have had many more transplants from the KTM to the Yamaha side if it would have had electric start because everybody that was like just ready for something different would have seen a bike that was exact. They would have been like, oh, well, yeah, it has this, it has this, it has this. Why wouldn't I? It's $1,000 less. Bam. Right. They would have just gone over. But the second that it didn't have an electric start, they were like, I've had that for eight years. I love this thing. Like, why would yeah, I, I not want some it? Of that, some of that, too, is is obviously money. Yeah. Um, and Yamaha didn't have to redesign anything to, to get this model out. They could pitch this off-road model and just, you know, add a couple things that off-road guys do, you know? Yep. So let's see how it works. Are they getting sold? If they do... All right, let's let's throw an electric start on. You know, you know. This way, they have the bikes out already, and if they're selling them, you know, no harm, no foul. It's it doesn't cost them any more to manufacture anything. You know, as far as getting parts on top of something else. Yep. Well, uh, before we close up, Kiefer, I just wanted to let you know it looks like the National Enduro this year isn't in Texas, but it's going to be in Louisiana. So look at the schedule, see if the Dirt Rider guys can make it, and if you can, I'll make sure that I can make it. And we'll have our uh, off-road-a-thon uh, against 
against each other there where you're Chris, gonna, you're going to beat me but whatever but huh yeah, I, I won't have a beer with you but I'll drink a water with you but Gary will have the beer so oh, no no I just mean that we can we can race each other like legit There you go I'm into that so yeah. I have a question for you I have a question for you we brought up Dale Spangler here earlier yeah. when are you going to have uh, when are you going to have Dale on the show Dale was on was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Dale was on. We were talking about Dirt Buzz. Uh, we talked with Jason. Yeah. We, we talked with J, uh, Jason Rains about uh, the new Yamahas, um, specifically nice. kind of the 450 FXs, just because that's kind of like the new new, and then the 250X. Gotcha. And then we had Dale on after that, yeah, because we wanted to talk about Dirt Buzz and all the cool stuff that he's right. doing over there. And it's fun that his one of his first reviews was a bot. It was a product that you could use on all your male parts. I thought that was that's that's pretty much a testament to Dale Spangler right there. <laughs> Dale, Dale's good shit, man. Dale's, Dale's always Dale always treated me good, yeah. and and it's all he's always been my guy to go to the fly. So that was it's a good deal. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, it sounds like you've got got more family going on, and my wife I can tell is about to leave. That she's just ready to go to bed. Uh, so definitely hey, appreciate. Before you go, I just want to no, do it. Give you guys a, a, an update here for Dirt Rider. Um, Please. The next issue is our Rider of the Year issue. Ooh. And I haven't broke this to anyone, so it's coming down to seat time right now. And our Rider of the Year is uh, Ryan Sipes. Hell yeah! So we are we were on the fence. We actually were going to go with Caleb Russell, but I'm kind of glad we didn't do that now, just because he's Cycle News' Rider of the Year. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, Ryan got our Rider of the Year. He's on the cover, and uh, it's a really cool issue. It talks a lot about his background and why he got an off-road and, and his time at the ISD, obviously. But uh, I think he's a well-deserving uh, a candidate for that. And uh, he's also a family guy, which I enjoy, you know, those type of guys. So Absolutely. it's cool to have him on our cover and being Rider of the Year. Yeah, it's funny. Those were literally my – when I, vo- I put my vote in for the AMA Rider of the Year, it was like – do I go Caleb Russell or do I go Ryan Sipes? And I went Ryan Sipes. And that was my choice. And I really, it was like one of those things where it's like the ISDE did it for me. Like it just fucking, right. fucking brought it home. And I was just so ecstatic over that. So no, that's a great yeah, choice. Thank you very much for letting us know. Yeah. So we had your back, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Boom. That makes it look like I have my back and a big fist in my butt, but whatever. <laughs> yes. Don't get fisted, man. Yeah. Don't get fisted in your butt. It's not. Shit could get weird. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, being yourselves and tuning in and being on Sea Time. We really appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you guys on soon again. Yeah, thanks for having us, Brian. All right. See ya. We're doing right. Bye. Oh, let's hug. Let's hug it out before we leave. (laughs) Bye, guys. Awesome. Well, it's been episode 191, and it's been a little bit longer than we thought. And I apologize that to my wife because I told her it was going to be a short show. But sometimes when you just get guys talking, you just let them talk, and you have fun with them, and you giggle, and you just kind of meander and just see where life takes you. So thank you very much for tuning in. Of course, Tea Time is brought to you by the fine folks over at Fly Racing, where you can find out more at flyracing.com. Uh, Kinda Tire USA at kindatire.com, and Stillwell Performance at stillwellperformance.com. Remember to keep her pinned. But the good thing about Stillwell is the off-road suspension. I've, I can't say enough about those guys. Alan Stillwell will be on in two weeks. We're going to talk a little bit about all the off-road stuff that he's been doing this past year, some of the bikes that he's getting ready for 2016, and all the good news that's coming up. For those of you who don't know, we did just put out our Garmin Verb XE review, so please go check that out on SeatTime.com. Oh, SeatTime.co. Wow, that's the first time I've ever even screwed that up. Uh, so that's a good time. It was fun. Of course, I'm Brian Pierce, your host. You can find me at Woody B. Pierce on the internet. And this has been Seat Time. We will be live again in two weeks. 
Of course, we're going to take next week off because it's the holidays. Everybody's getting ready for Christmas. This is going to be absolutely crazy. No one would be able to come on, um, and my wife would kill me. So, remember to always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We will see you in two weeks. Thank you very much. Peace.